Well, good morning, man. It is good to be uh, with you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've already been in the presence of the Lord, and I could probably go home right now and be good, all right? Some of you are like, let's, hey, I'm game with that. Like, yes, all right, that means I beat the lines, okay? Uh, but we're going to take just a moment for the few minutes we have together, uh, and we want to make sure we are opening up God's Word. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn me to Romans chapter 1. Uh, if you have not been in here for a while, we, uh, we're going to be finishing up in a, a series called uh, Kingdom Builders. And what does it look like for my life and for your life to be all about building God's kingdom? And I don't know about you, many times I struggle with this because there's times in my life that I want to promote me. There's times in my life that I want to do my thing. But every single day God says, I want you to pick up your cross and I want you to follow after me. And and these last few weeks we've been looking at what does it look like if your life and our lives together called the church What would it look like if we daily surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ? What would be different? And we've been asking this question is, is why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do every single day when you get up and and get the kids ready if you have kids and go to work and all of these things? Why do you do what you do? In the first week we looked at John chapter 15 which talks about uh, the vine and the branches that that you and I in Christ are, are like a vine and it says apart from Jesus, listen to this, apart from Jesus, our lives will mean nothing as it pertains to building God's kingdom. And he says, you must remain in me, and if you do remain in me, your life will bear much fruit. I don't know about you this morning, I want my life to be about bearing much fruit, fruit that will last for eternity. We went on and we talked about the second week about Matthew chapter 28 and, and we looked at why do we do things as a church? Why do, we, why do we give? Why do we support? Why do we do all of these things? Why do we, why do, we do a closed closet and those things? And, and God's Word talks about that we should be about serving others. And then we had some missionary guests come in, and I don't know about you, my, my, my life was a little bit wrecked as we heard about how God was working all around the world, as He was, he was working in and through the persecuted church. And, and, and this past week we talked about in Luke chapter 14, the cost of being a disciple. We looked at what does it look like to give our lives to Jesus Christ every day. And this morning we're going to be wrapping it all up, and we're going to entitle it this morning, A Church on Mission. A Church on on mission. Anybody like missions? You know, you, you've got, you got some objectives and, and, you know, I'm that kind of person. If I have some things to, to acquire, if I have some things to do, I mean, I'm, I'm all about that. But sometimes when I feel like I'm, I'm lost and I'm wondering and there is no vision, I love how God's Word says, when there's no vision, the people perish. But when God puts us on mission... What does that look like for your life and what does that look like for the life of the church? So in, in Romans chapter 1... The Apostle Paul is writing the church in Rome. Now, I want you to understand that he is writing to the church, and that's going to make a little more sense here in just a moment. But during that time, the the Roman government was in control. And for those who don't know who Paul was, Paul, at one point in his life, 
He was one that persecuted Christians. I mean, he was going after them, and God miraculously saved him on the road to Damascus. And from that day forward, he knew what it meant to sacrifice and to pick up his cross daily and follow after Jesus. So, so in this setting here in Romans chapter 1, he is writing to the church in Rome. Now, Rome was not the nicest place in the world during this time. It was one of the most heathenistic, all right, places in all the world. And Roman rule was very vibrant. It was very much in control in most part of the world. So, so this church, you can imagine, most of them did not have a church building to come to. Most of them had to meet in homes. And you can imagine how defeated it might be for many of those Christ followers. I don't know about you, but I get defeated sometimes in my life. And I love when that encouragement comes by. I love when someone gives a word from the Lord and it, and it kind of boosts us and kind of lights a fire under us so that we can continue on that mission that God has set before us. So here we go. We're going to start in verse 1 here. Uh, Paul, basically, he gives an introduction for the first seven verses and then he kind of gets into the meat of what he wants to uh, share with the church in Rome here this morning. So here we go. Uh, verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Skip down to verse 5. He says, through him, he's speaking of Jesus here, through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's Sake. So, you know, why is he talking about Gentiles? You're thinking, like, I've never, I'm, I'm kind of new to the Bible. I don't understand this. First of all, Paul is, is able to say here that he received grace when God saved him on the road to Damascus. It literally, his life was changed and it was upside down and he was going in a different direction. His mission was completely different because of what God has done in his life. And he talks about the Gentiles. Now, during this time, this is the time when, when Jesus had come and kind of turned religion upside down, so to speak. All right? And we know that, that God had been, the Jewish people were God's chosen people. So when Jesus came, he says, I have come to proclaim good news to all people, the Jews and the Gentiles. All right? Now, I'm guessing most of us here are Gentiles this morning. All right? Maybe you didn't know that. But here's the thing. When Jesus said, I'm coming to proclaim the good news to everyone, that's why Paul is saying, I have come for you, the Roman church, but I've also come to share the good news for those who do not yet Know him, So he uses the word Gentiles uh, to call them to the obedience from the faith for his name's sake. Verse 6, and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So what Paul is doing here, he's basically coming and he's writing this letter and he has not yet visited the church, but he wants to kind of encourage them. Are any of you encouragers in here? I mean, I think that's kind of like your gift. Anybody at all? Like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm good at encouraging. Maybe some of you are like, I'm kind of the opposite most of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I love this because Paul comes to this church and he writes this to spur them on to say, you know what, church, you have been called out for a purpose. You have been called out for a purpose, and I want to encourage you to be devoted to that. I know many times in our lives, especially in the world that we live in, we can be devoted to a lot of things. And in Revelations, it talks about that the church of Ephesus, it talks about they had lost their first love. 
And then it goes on to say, return to me, says the Lord. And many times in our life, I feel like we've lost our first love. I feel like the church maybe has lost its first love. What about you this morning? So Paul goes on and he says, I want to give you some evidence of a church on mission. I want to give you three things that I want to proclaim to you that the church should be about. God seeks ordinary believers to join an extraordinary mission. There's a story back in 1903. A group of 17 men got together to form a small political organization By 1917, this organization of 17 men had grown to 40,000 members and had become powerful enough to overthrow the Tsar Russia. Hammer and sickle began to make its way across the world, and before the Iron Curtain fell, communism dominated up to two-thirds of the globe. In spite of our aversion to communism, we still must ask ourselves how 17 men could possibly have made such an amazing impact upon the world in as few as 70 or 80 years. And I believe the answer is simple. The men who founded the Communist Party were committed to impacting their world. They had no plan B. They were sold out. Nothing was going to deter them in their cause. And today I must ask you an important question for all of us. Are you, are we a church that longs to impact the world for Jesus Christ? Is there a plan B in our lives? Is there something within you that yearns to join a cause that makes a difference in this life and reverberates through eternity? Let's be honest, it's easy to do church it's easy to come on Sundays and sit and to, and to hear and get excited about the things of God, but it's another different story for us to leave this place and take that into our lives because let's be honest, some of our lives are not where you want them to be. Some of us are struggling right now. So maybe some of you right now, you're in a relationship that is almost broken and, and, and you're in desperate need this morning. Maybe some of us are having an addiction of something, and so when we leave this place, that smile goes away, and life hits us, and the understanding of having peace and joy is so foreign to so many of us. Paul here in verse 8, he says, first... I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of a son is my witness how constantly I remember you. In my prayers at all times and I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have among the other Gentiles. And he says in verse 14, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you 
who are in Rome. I want you to see the first thing here. Paul says the evidence of a church on mission is one who is thankful. Let me ask you something this morning. Are you thankful for your church family? Are you thankful for other believers around you? Or let's be honest, sometimes, you know, we're just kind of perturbed by that person sitting beside us. We get aggravated with those people within the church. When are are they going to understand? When are they going to come to their senses? And all of these things. I love this because Paul says, I am thankful for you. I am so thankful for you. Maybe this morning you haven't been thankful for something in a really long time. It seems like your life is just continually like a spiral and you find like you, you can't even get off of that. Some people call that the crazy cycle. Some of us are living the crazy cycle. I've been there, done that before. And Paul says, I am so thankful. And the reason he is thankful, look at this. Look in verse 8. He goes, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Now here's the thing. They were under oppression of the Roman government there. They didn't have a lot of... Uh, freedom to do and to say and those types of things. But the whole world knew that they had faith in Jesus Christ. I bet it was more than just a t-shirt they were wearing. Anybody else think that? You know, like, my faith is strong. You know, the video cameras were there. And they're like, man, that church in Rome is exploding. I mean, it says it on their t-shirt that, no, the reason the world had been affected by the church in Rome because their faith led to obedience and action. You and I must come into a saving faith in Jesus Christ, but our faith should change us, it should spur us, it should bring something into our lives that we want to go and we want to share it with everyone. And Paul saying, I am so thankful for you. I know you were going through a difficult time. I am thankful for you. And the reason I am thankful for you is because you are being obedient and your faith is being reported all over the world. If that was to be in a present day situation, we might say, you know what? Your church's faith is being proclaimed because, man, I see, I see your pastor's sermon like all over satellite TV. You know, I'm seeing that your church's faith is strong because, man, y'all have have some awesome programs at your church. Can you imagine how many people you're running now? You know how many people are doing this and we're doing that? But my question for us, the reason, listen to this, the reason their lives were being changed, the reason the world was being changed, because their faith led to action. Here in just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to pray over a team that's heading to Haiti, another team that's heading to Oklahoma City to work with the inner city church. Here's the thing, our faith should move us, should move us to act in obedience to Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I just want to encourage you. I am thankful for you because the evidence in your church of being on mission is there. The second thing he says, I'm thankful for you, but a church on mission is focused. Look at verse 11 real quickly. It says, I long to see you so that I might impart to you some spiritual gift." To make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each 
others' faith. And I don't have a lot of time to go through all the different spiritual gifts, but if you Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, those talks about all the different spiritual gifts that God imparts onto us. And spiritual gifts, listen to this, spiritual gifts that God gives us through the work of the Holy Spirit should always, should always be about building His kingdom. Should always be about edifying the body of Christ. I haven't seen a lot of edification in church arguments. Have you seen that, really? God seeks ordinary believers to join an extraordinary mission. A church that is focused. He says, I want to impart on you so that my words will make you strong. I want to encourage you in your faith. Two weeks ago, I just want to share this because this has a lot to do with all of you. We had some missionaries that came, Marish and Amanda. They spent the last 20 years in the Middle East of some of the toughest places in the world to preach the good news. And they have been kicked out of the country because they were so bold in their faith. And they were just, I just want to be honest, they were just a little drained, you can imagine. God is doing something new in their lives, and they're, and they're just like you and me. And they feel like they're in a desert experience right now. Like, God, we just want to hear from you. We, we, we need your guidance. We, we need your leadership now. Like we were crying out to you. And I just want you to know how incredibly thankful they were for you. That they could come and they could be themselves. They could spend time with other believers and hang out and even eat a hot dog or some pizza and just do life with one another and encourage one another. And they left this place and they say, we needed this. And I'm like, no, we, didn't need to, we needed you. And that's what Paul's talking about here. I want to bestow upon you. I want to encourage you so that we both win. So that we both become strong in our walk with God because there's those moments, I've got to be honest, where I felt like quitting. Maybe you've been there before. Like, God, why do you continue to use me? I continue to fail day after day. And it seems like every time he says, Brandon, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's that same message he says, and Paul is saying to this church, I am so thankful for you because you are living out your faith. I am so thankful for you because I just want to encourage you, and my prayer is through that encouragement that we will get excited about the things of God and that we will be active in the mission that God has put before us. And the third thing we see here in verse 13, he says about, he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I had among the other Gentiles. He says, my prayer is, is that when I come and through the leading of the Holy Spirit, through encouragement, that our lives will bear much fruit. That we can do more together. It's that same message that Jesus has given the church today that we can do more together, but we continue to allow, just like the Bible says, we continue to allow Satan that foothold in our churches and in our lives, and rather than coming together and encouraging and building one another up, we're divided. We see that every single day. God seeks ordinary believers to join an extraordinary mission. 
The last and final thing, an evidence of a church on mission is one who is zealous, one who is eager. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, I am under obligation. Isn't that a weird word there? Like, I'm under obligation. I started thinking about that. Why does Paul think he's under obligation? And as I was reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, where, where it talks about that Paul understood what it meant to be bought for a price. When Jesus laid his life down for you and for I, and as we give our lives to God and make him Lord and master of our lives, God's word says that our, God's word says that our life is now not our own. And that's difficult sometimes because I'm a control freak. Anybody else, all right? And so the understanding of I am obligated, an obligation to serve Jesus because of what he has, he has done for me, that's the same understanding of we are bound to the duty of Jesus Christ. It's like a soldier, someone who is bound to duty. They're obligated. And Paul uses those words here. I am obligated both to Greeks and to barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish. Some of us will be like, you know what, maybe to the wise, all right? Uh-uh, but those foolish people, like, I don't want to be around them. I've got a couple of those at work, and yeah, they just rub me the wrong way. Anybody else, all right? I'm not obligated to them. Paul says, no, I'm obligated. I am obligated. I want to become all things to all people so that my life might save some people. Paul recognized what it meant to follow after Jesus. Verse 15, I find very interesting as well. It says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also to those in Rome. It's interesting because he was writing this to the church. And you think, well, why does the church need the gospel message? Like, don't they already know it? Aren't they already living? He already talked about how they're living it out. You know one thing I love about the gospel message, and there's many things, but one thing that I love about it is it is good for justification and also sanctification. And what that means is, in other words, it has the power to save us from the ramifications of our sins. It also has the power to continue make us more like Jesus every single day. Because here's what happens is, is we take the gospel message, and this is what we do many times. I have heard that so many times. And I have as well, rather than saying, God, what are you trying to do in and through me? What are you trying to teach me today? Allow your word to transform me so that I can become more like you every single day. But we get, sometimes we get deaf ears. I've been there before. Like, I've heard that a thousand times. Like, move on. Move on. Something different. And Paul says, no, 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 no. The gospel message is so much more many times than we give it. It has the power to save, but it also has the power to transform us every single day. Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point is a study of how human organizations change. How does a system reach the tipping point whereby any organizational culture is transformed? Gladwell documents that it takes no more than six children in a school to begin wearing a certain brand of sports shoe to reach the tipping point. 
whereby in just a few days, 100 children will begin wearing the same brand of shoes. I actually called my wife this morning. I was like, hey, could you, um, could you bring one of those fidget spinner things? All you parents are like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, all right? And I, they, I guess they forgot it or whatever. It only takes a couple of people to make a change in around, of, in around uh, I'm sorry, the people around us. It only takes a few people who say, you know, I want to stand up. She's actually waving it back there. All right, there it is right there. One kid gets it, two kids get it, three kids get it. The next thing, that listen to this, the whole world has it. I was having a conversation with the missionaries in the Middle East, and they're like, have y'all seen those little things that spin? I'm like, how does that happen? It's because a few people, just like the story we see here, our lives can make a difference for those around us. Our lives will have an impact on those people around us, but our lives can have a negative impact or a positive impact. And I want my life to be about building God's kingdom. My prayer is that our lives together collaboratively would be about building God's kingdom. You see, Jesus started with 12 Went to 11, went back to 12. And it impacted the entire world. Because they knew that Jesus had the power to save. And they gave their lives to Jesus. And they said, every day, God, I want to I make it my priority to build your kingdom. And here's the hard part and not mine. I'm going to ask Wesley to come back up. I'm going to close with this story here before we have an opportunity to pray over our mission teams this morning. The story is about Hernan Cortez, who landed at Veracruz in 1519 to begin the conquest of Mexico. He had only one small force of 700 men. He was about to invade a subcontinent of unknown size, filled with tribesmen of, of hugely superior numbers. And he, and he asked the question, how could he motivate his soldiers to devote themselves to the conquest, to the mission? Cortez came up with precisely the right motivator. As soon as he had all the equipment off his fleet of the 11 ships, he gave orders to burn them. The men who had come ashore with him stood on the beach and watched as their only means of retreat slowly sank into the Gulf of Mexico. There was only one direction to go, and that was forward, into the interior of Mexico to take on whatever might come their way. Precisely the approach God calls Christian disciples to take. We are to be obedient to our faith, allowing our decisions to always be subject to the word of Christ. And that usually means burning our ships at some point. You see, I think the reason that we struggle many times in our walk with God is because we have plan B and we have plan C. 
At any point, we know that we can walk out. We know that we can make a different choice. We know that we can do this or do that because God wants to say, I want you all in. Like, like I want your life. You, you've, already, you've already died to yourself here. I have made you a new creation. And may your heart and may your dreams and may your purpose and may your mission be about building my kingdom. And maybe this morning, Maybe for the first time, maybe you need to burn your ship. Because it seems like sometimes we do good and then we go back and we do good and we go back. It's because we haven't fully surrendered and say, God, without you. Like if you don't work in this situation, that's where God wants us. Verse 16, as we close, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Wow. And here's the cool thing God wants to use His church, God wants to use your life impact lives around you.